The views expressed by Paul during this podcast are his alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of his employer. The views expressed by Jason. Wait, dude, really? This is what you want me to read? Okay. The views expressed by Jason are his alone and frequently do not necessarily reflect reality. His opinions are often annoying, scattershot in their application, and can resemble more of a Virginia Woolf short story than a cohesive argument. He is currently undergoing therapy and rewatching Westworld season three to resolve his storytelling issues. Magic time. <laughs> Woohoo! Welcome to Magic, magic Time. Season <laughs> magic two. Fingers. Season two of F Sides. This is the annoyingly award lacking number one cybersecurity podcast, according to Muscle Car Poetry Magazine, and the most annoyingly money losing not for profit venture this side of starting an airline. And we focus on the human side, none of the fancy technical stuff. I mean, sometimes we'll talk about technical stuff, but we're really focusing on the human interaction, the human side of security, just having, you know, open, frank conversations. Because Paul and I both lost our technical technical skills decades ago, we obviously can't <laughs> focus on technology. So we really want to focus on how to move the elephant in cybersecurity. There's a lot of crossover to life, work, life, universe, and everything. The elephant Sounds really very comes philosophical, like you're, you're, you're going into religious territory. Almost. I almost was. Let's back back yeah, up. It felt let's like go, that. Okay. Let's go into pop culture uh, territory because... Today's wait, wait, episode. hold on. Jason going into pop culture references. That is shocking. I don't Never think happens I've ever on heard of that show. before. The first Never, time ever. Ever, ever. Today's episode is about, to quote what's considered to be one of Janet Jackson's best albums, probably behind 1989's Rhythm Nation, and kind of defined my eighth grade experience, her album called Control. And today's episode is about controls. What controls are best in cybersecurity? Paul, why don't you start off by explaining for those listeners who aren't familiar with well, they might be familiar with Janet Jackson, but the cybersecurity, our terminology, what we mean by control. So we're, when we talk about controls today, that's things that you put into place to manage and um, measure or you know, prevent or do have specific activities that you can do um, to control um, the output or an input or something along those lines. So basically, it's just a way that um, for our conversation, we're just talking about specifically, we'll be talking about technology controls, pieces of technology that you can put into place that help you manage um, outcomes and processes in a meaningful way. To give you kind of an analogy, think of uh, speeding. We have what would we would term an administrative control is called the law. And in cybersecurity, we have these administrative control called policies. So imagine the law says you cannot go over 55 miles an hour. That's an administrative control. You could have a preventative control. It's another terminology we use in cyber, and it could be a technical control such as a speed limiter. So sometimes in old days when you'd rent cars, they'd prevent you from going over 55 miles an hour. That's a good example of a preventative control. We're preventing something bad from happening. A detective control is probably sitting right in front of you. It's called a speedometer, and it's a way to detect when you might be going over that speed limit of 55 miles per hour. You could also, there's another type of term called corrective control. And I have been faced with this before in my younger days. In fact, mm. in the high school days with how many speeding tickets I got. But the corrective control could be a police officer pulling you over, stopping you from going fast, and maybe even giving you a little punitive uh, reinforcement in the form of a ticket. That was a very good walkthrough. Very, I could tell that hits you very close to your heart, Jason. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I had a that very a, rocky a upbringing with a 1968 Mustang <laughs> Fastback that got me a lot of tickets back in high school. Oh, wow. Okay. While listening so to Janet a, Jackson. You had a very nice car. I did not. <laughs> I had a very, very, very big car. I'm not even going to describe it. It was a mess. So um, it was almost as old as I was, too, but not in a classic way, in a bad, junky way. 
So, so today, all right, now that now that we've reminisced, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. Today, no, you, no, please, Paul. After you, no, no. Well, so today we're going to talk about controls, right? And and you're going to hear two probably competing, but um, you know we will agree in some areas. You know, thoughts on you know what the what the sequencing of controls, how to think about controls when you first go into an organization. Um, and we'll just be having a general conversation about those corrective, detective, preventative, and administrative controls, and giving a little bit of the insight of what's worked for us using our, our combined experience of many, many years. Actually, we've never done that. We've never figured out what our combined experience is, but it's a lot of years. So <laughs> Decades. Decades and decades. Decades. At least what, decades. Paul, what's your favorite control? So we listed administrative, detective, preventative, corrective. What's your favorite? Yeah, oh, Okay. We prepped for this podcast, but Jason did not ask me that. So that was a surprise question. So that's good. All right. So my favorite control um, out of that that list of four, I would say, you know, I would always prefer to have a preventative control in place. Um, the problem with preventative controls is they often cost a lot of money, right? And they take a lot of um, time and resources to put into place. So you don't always have the option. But a good solid preventative control that's layered with other preventative controls, I think is the best way to protect your organization. But that doesn't mean you just do 100% preventative controls without the others. So you do need the others as well. Yeah, you know, to pull that car analogy out, the way that you could look at preventative control being bad, it can save lives. It can absolutely be great because you're preventing from something bad from happening from going over 55 miles per hour. But what if you're in the Indianapolis 500? You may not want a preventative control that prevents you from winning the race, but you would want to control it by, hey, we want to make sure that we that we, the, we don't, you know, the driver doesn't get in a serious accident or injury. So that's like an example of pre- preventative controls are very touchy and very tough. Paul is correct. They're, they're the hardest mm-hmm. to implement because you can keep the business from going fast or keep the business from doing what it wants to do is implementing these things to keep things from happening. So it's my favorite too, because you get the most security because it's it's almost guaranteed that if you have a speed delimiter, unless you're a good hacker of a car system, you're not going over 55 miles per hour. So you're pretty confident that no matter what you told them, which was the administrative control, no matter how many police on the road that are corrective controls or how that speedometer may have a flashing, <laughs> don't go over 55, mm-hmm. really the, the best way that you're going to get people from going over 55 is preventative. Good choice, yeah, Paul. But, I approve yeah, of your but, decision. Oh, wow. Okay. We actually agree on this, but let me bring, or not, but let me bring up um, a point that, you know, preventive controls, I will agree with you. They can absolutely limit the ability of the organization to, you know, function, right? One thing that I've always said to teams is, you know, a bad CISO will just come in and put in, uh, you know, without regard to the business and the needs of the business, we'll just put in a ton of controls, right? It's super easy to secure a company out of business. It takes no skills. You don't need a real CISO for that. Um, now, to make sure that you're putting in controls that allow the business to function, like Jason just said, um, you really have to understand like what the right mix of the different types of controls are. And there is no formula, you should have 50% preventative, 10%. It really just depends on the organization. And that was Paul's opinion on the right percentage and right ratio. I may, <laughs> we're probably going to end up agreeing at the end of this. We always end up finding it. We thought we we're disagreeing and it, we're like an old married couple. It's horrible. Yeah. I we'll get believe, to the same conclusion eventually, just different paths. I believe there's a roadmap, a way to implement controls. And I absolutely believe it all starts with administrative controls, which is your policies. It's basically saying, don't drive over 55. Make sure you buckle your seatbelt. These things that we mm-hmm. tell people to do when you read your information security policy, I absolutely believe those are probably where you start and kind of 
through just the order of importance, I, I think would make it the most important. Like if you're not saying you're doing it, why even bother doing it? Why even bother well, detecting it? Well, I agree with you, Jason. Darn it. Tell I, me didn't why, I though? just tell say, me, Paul? Tell me. But hold on. But I want you to tell me why you think the administrative. So and, and what that gives you, because I'll tell you my opinion and let's see if we, we uh, match up. You know, it's, it's kind of like the law. Like we codify the principles that we believe that people should or should not behave and what they should or should not be doing. And without that, you, you, you know, you can't be, what am I being arrested for? Oh, uh, nothing. I just felt like arresting you. <laughs> you can't, why can't I drive over 55? Well, it's because you need, you need that base framework, that base idea of this is what you can and cannot do to keep this company secure. That's really what policies are. Policies are, it's a, it, technically it's a risk tolerance. It's like, how much risk do we want? Hey, we don't care. We're risky as heck. You wouldn't have any policies. It's the wild, wild west of computing. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't need to change your password. You can share your password with your mother, your grandfather, you know, the stuff that would make you really risky. So the more policies and the more controls that you say in your administrative controls, the more you have, the more secure you're going to make the organization and the less risk tolerant. Okay, so let me rephrase what I think you're saying in that you're saying that the risk, the policies and standards, right, because there's a supporting documentation as well, is, are really there to help people understand what they should not do or should do. Is oh, that right? we're, we're going to get in good segue territory. That's um, why I want to know. I'm asking the question. You just made a statement that to get people to understand. Absolutely. I a million percent agree with you. The problem with today's policies is they're not written like that. They're written for auditors. They're written legal. They're written that nobody can understand as a human being. No, that's a whole different podcast. Right. Well, you, Jason. you brought it up. No, you no, brought no, it up. No, I just, I was trying to recapture what you said. So I, I would agree with, um, I agree. Right. You need to make policies and standards understandable to normal your administrative controls. Right. So anybody. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I totally agree with that. The, the other side benefit, the thing that I really look to standards and policies to do is, one, they're not going to be 100% comprehensive. So I've actually had people come to me and say, well, you don't say this specific use cases in your standard policy. It's like, well, you should be able to understand the, in, you know, in the military, they say commander's intent, right? It's like the intent is there. You understand just because you don't document every single nuance does not mean that it's not a requirement. We can get into that. We should have a whole different, separate podcast on that. But um, the other thing about standards and policies in your administrative controls is they help to expand the influence of your team, regardless of how big. If you're a, a five-person team um, in a 2,000-person company or a 100-person team in a 10,000-person company, it helps the organization understand how to do security if you're not in the room with them, right? As they're developing things, as they're making decisions, they can refer to the standards instead of always having to come to your team. Um, now come to your team for guidance, but it really expands your influence in an organization. And that's why it's one of the first things I get out there because, you know, when I'm not available to get in to um, a conversation with technical people, I can show them the standards. They immediately understand and are able to make decisions with that. So and we, I can come so in. So we later. both agree administrative controls are, like, are very, very, very important. Very, yes. very, I, I would say they are the most important. You're not in there yet. In general, it depends on the organization, but I would say the vast majority of times in the organizations, you know, I've seen and had conversations with, um, you you have to get your standards out there immediately to can, set the expectation. Can you? I want to I want to dig in and try to foster some debate here. Can you give me an example of an organization where an administrative the administrative would not be the most important? If you are in the midst of a um, 
an attack, right? You're, you're brought in, like if you're a consultant or whatever, and you're brought into an organization, they're under attack at that moment. They have something going on. They have to immediately respond to you're in combat mode. So let me use my military analogies, right? Um, you know, having expectations and setting the requirements, um, when you're in garrison or pre-combat, super important, right? You need to know what your, your, um, I'll, I'll say in this case, Marines, but let's just use soldiers in general. Your soldiers need to understand what to do when the time comes. But if they're dropped in and they don't have time or somebody's attacking and you don't have time to create the administrative paperwork or, you know, and I say paperwork, not in a bad way, but the administrative controls, you don't have time to say, hold on, hold on, stop. Let, um, don't worry about reviewing the firewall logs. Don't worry about this, right? We need to set the standards first, right? If you're in the middle of an immediate attack or you're being attacked, you need to get your controls in as fast as you can and then make sure you go back and evaluate them based off of the, uh, you know, use the standards that you'll build later and make sure that what you put into place in, as a Band-Aid meets the requirements you put out there. So that's just one example that I've, I've, I've seen before. Hmm. That's a little, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give a little low, I call shenanigans a little bit, but in a nice okay, way, but like, if you're not been I, a feel like I feel like it's, like it's, if, it's, it's I, I, I consult, uh, I'm surprised no, no, I mean, it's I'm, situational. You're saying because we're in the middle of war, that's well, the question. Let, let me you challenge you that a situation. <laughs> it, it, before you got into war, you must have had administrative policy that said, we need an incident response plan. We need to be careful and be ready for incidents. Wouldn't you have that okay. as an administrative So let's control? move out of Jason's fantasy land for a minute and let's move into the real world. This is a conversation Jason likes to have with me a lot, by the way. And he says it almost exactly <laughs> like that. Um, so if you are, you know, a lot, it's not just consultant. If you're a new CISO and it's your first two weeks in an organization, something bad happens or you're brought in and, you know, immediately during or right after an incident, you know, you're, you're gonna, and they had bad policies. Are you going to continue to replicate the bad policies and standards? Are you going to go in and put in immediate controls and immediate, um, things that you know are right? Like, Hey, you know, you had your firewall set with any, any rule on it. You know, I know that was your standard before, but listen, we need to, we'll update the standard shortly, but let's fix that immediately, right? There's instances where you need to get the controls up to a certain place. And then you can make sure that you go back. Now I'm saying that time frame between when you put in the controls to respond to an immediate incident and when you create your standards and make sure that you're meeting a consistent requirement should be very short. But there are instances where, you know, um, you have to take action and you need to do it right away. Okay. So you heard it from Paul, heard it from Jason. Obviously, Jason is right. Paul is wrong, but that's okay. We'll let the listeners decide. I just <laughs> in Jason's fantasy land that he lives in. Uh, yes, dude, it's it's is. not fantasy land. It's you know, If you go to the ER, yes, they're absolutely triaging and reacting, but they're all based on policies and ways and procedures that have been okay, built for ER years Okay, but ER is a different situation. That- Hold on. Agreed. But if you're, if you're on the side of the road and someone's injured, you have somebody going up to try to help that person, Right. You, you're not, you don't necessarily have years of training or even if you did, right? You may not have the right tools, but you got to do something. You're not going to sit there and just wait for, you know, let me get the document and say, if I don't have specific types of bandages, what do I do? You take action to, to help the person immediately, but then you get them to somewhere where a place where they can, you know, meet those consistent requirements, the, you know, and so forth that helps for the long term, the long haul that you need. So what kind of controls is that then that you're putting over administrative? Are you saying corrective controls? Or more important, it's than, a, again, or better than a, there is no, 
So this is where you and I disagreed up front. I said there is no, I don't think there is a consistent formula like where you can say 20% X, 30% Y, right? It's it's really situationally dependent on the organization. Um, so, you know, when do you do that? It depends on the situation. But like I said, if you're in the middle of an incident and you just join an organization or if you're a consultant and you just came into an organization that's being attacked, get your preventative controls or if you're being DDoSed, Right, a di- uh, distributed denial of service attack. You know, get in your your um, preventative controls to help absorb that, and you know, fix that, and then go and worry about making sure. Okay, did we configure every single element right? Right. Sometimes you just need to fix the stuff that you have in place. Okay. Again, in general, I don't. That's not the route I want to work in, and I don't think you do either. Generally, I want a consistent route where I can put in good administrative controls, communicate those out. And then, um, you know, get it out there and make sure that we're all consistent. I I totally get that. Obviously, if I'm hired in the middle of a firefight, yes, the firefight Mm -hmm. comes first. 99% of the time CISOs are hired. They're not hired in the middle of a firefight. They're hired to improve security and build security. I'd, I'd like to see starts that. With administration. I'd like to see where that um, that that random that statistic out of my butt came from. <laughs> yeah, it's like because clearly right. there's no well, evidence. Well, but. If no, but I mean, common sense I think would argue that. All right, let's even go. Eighty percent of CISOs are not hired in the middle of a breach. Hey, we're breached. Hey, you're fired. Let's bring in this other CISO. But that's when you throw in Mandy and third party firms. But but CISOs sometimes are brought into organizations that recently had a breach or. Yeah, you know where it starts? We need to change our policies and our incident response and our administrative controls. Uh, That's not generally where the administrative executive management or the executive management will go, right? They'll say, hey. Uh, That's where I'd go with CISO. Just recently had an issue. Help us understand is do we have an ongoing issue? Yep. And then help us fix it. Because the issue right? was probably because of a weakness in a control. Either it's a Agreed. vulnerability, someone Agreed. fished because my administrative controls we either weren't clarified or weren't no, strong. That's not, I mean, sometimes okay. even if you clarify, someone may have misconfigured it, right? Sometimes your controls aren't put in effectively. That's why you have well, That's to why have, we go down the chain to you, the other controls like detective, preventative. Well, now you're talking defense and depth, but I was actually going to head yeah. in the direction of control testing, right? Like you need to um, test your controls periodically to ensure that what you think is still, what you think you put in place is still in place because as you both, both of us know, the controls have a tendency to change over time. Right. And it's not malicious. Right. Sometimes people will go in and make a small minor you mean change. The, sorry, or, can, I, can I clarify? You mean the implementation of the control changes over time, yes, not, the, yes. not the administrative control itself. Correct? No, I'm yes. talking about technical yep. preventative. And, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. If you're not measuring and testing your controls, you're they're just sitting at that administrative level. And yet, which yep. is a, which is absolutely Loomis believes. Sometimes I refer to myself and my last name, the third person. Loomis yes. absolutely believes it all starts with administrative controls and it's the number one place to start and number one importance. Then you go down the chain and start applying. In In I said Loomis is nope. Loomis believes in all situations it starts with administrative. Paul says in most situations. Yeah, it's it's really situationally dependent. See, I'm far more flexible. Um, in the Marine Corps, we have that. You make a very good consultant. Very good consultant. Hey, what should we do here? Well, it depends. And no, I am, I, I, if someone came to me and said, what should we do? I would have a clear action. I would it say, depends. What's, this, what's the, say, I, it depends. I how I much, how at, much are you paying me? I'm just kidding. I you're, would you're not think uh, the fog of war, right? Because the thing I always think about, but you bring up a good point, right? Is you don't want to just blindly put things in either, right? You, there's the fog of war, right? You don't know what the situation is. Um, and the, for our listeners, the fog of war is just a term to, you know, you're looking at a situation based off of the environmental variables that are 
you know, that you can perceive at that point, right? So if you're a, a in, if you get dropped in the middle of a firefight, you only know that there's bullets going around you, right? But if you're, you know, at the command headquarters with a drone overhead, you can see, oh, okay, this is what's going on. Uh, you, you get a better view. So, um, you know, it, it really makes sure again, don't, there's never one right way. And, and I think Jason would even agree to this. There's no one right way to do it. But if you have the choice, administrative, I think, is a really good way. I mean, that's the best way to start because you expand your influence across the organization. You set the expectations and, you know, there's always a way, something to go back. You know what the principles you want to live by are. Yeah. So we kind of agree. I think, see, this is how Jason and I will. I like more. It's my way or the highway. And then (laughs) then we'll get to the same place eventually. We end up, we end up at the same place. We're both CISOs. We both both know that the end goal is the same as how we get there. Might be different. So, you know, we mentioned measurement. So my next, I'm going to go with my next favorite control. First is administrative. Mm -hmm. The next favorite is detective. Agreed. Apps hands down, like knowing, and that tells you sort of that metric is how well is that metric performing? Am I really like, for example, endpoint detection and response? Not only does, is it detecting bad things happening, but you, to me, a control is measuring the effectiveness of that control. First off, is my employment, my endpoint detection deployed across the organization? I have a pop reference for you. Uh That, and you tell me if you know. Circa 1978. No, no. I mean, we're. It's all in the family. (laughs) Okay. So um, let's see if you know the show. So what you're saying is knowledge is power. That's like 80 movies and TV shows. Yes, that's G.I. Joe. Come on. No, knowing is half the battle is G.I. Joe. Yeah, but I didn't want to give it all away, make it that simple. Well, you, right? how, oh, shouldn't that? Come on. You didn't. <laughs> you right. didn't if I you would have said I didn't knowing is half the, the battle. Way. I okay. did not remember the quote. That one I would have nailed for G.I. Joe. All absolutely. right. All right. But yeah, so and I yes. agree with you because understanding situational awareness is absolutely critical if you're going to effectively do your job. Yes. And to me, this is a lot of agreeing, Jason. Oh, this is we're scrapping this episode. This goes in the pile yeah, of heap of garbage episodes where we can't agree, or where uh, we can't agree. That's the problem. All right, no, what's the so? And we agreed the worst control is preventative, right? Well, no, yeah, no. The best <laughs> control is preventative. Um, it just takes the longest off, right? Yeah, of, it's the hardest to implement. Like, yeah, but you yeah. need it absolutely. I mean, if I had the choice of uh, of the different controls, I would put in as much preventative control as I could. But again, that often costs the most. It requires the most interaction, planning, teams. testing, yeah, exactly, making sure right. you're not breaking anything, managing. Right? Hey, my, so yeah, we update. make an error in deploying, and all of a sudden the car can't go more than two miles an hour. Like, oops! Oh, every time, sorry, every business. Time I ran a firewall <laughs> in a company. Right, anytime there was any problem. Right. If somebody spilled water in, in the hallway, it's like call the firewall team. Clearly, there's a firewall word issue. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like everything was the yeah. firewall. And and it's like, you know, so if you have a preventative control, right, you really need to make sure, again, you, that you don't secure your company out of business. Yeah. One of the hardest preventative controls for you cyber nerds. I'm going to throw an acronym. I'll explain it to everyone else. <laughs> Pam is one of the hardest preventative controls to get into place because it breaks so much SHIT. And it stands for privileged access management. It's this idea in cyber that that the people who have sort of god level privileges, if you're into video games, your your root, you've got administrative privileges over you. You can install software. You want to really be careful with those privileges. And as soon as you install a system that provides preventative control around them, everything breaks. And then people are, I mean, riots in the street. Where'd my admin access go? And buildings are on fire. And no, I've actually never experienced buildings on fire or riots in the streets from Pam. 
But you probably had some uncomfortable conversations. So you would say that you were just exaggerating a tiny bit, but you maybe had uncomfortable conversations. I have been fortunate enough that no Pam solution has ever made it off the ground. Wow. (laughs) It's been started and stopped and just dropped because it is so hard to implement. But I might be tackling that. In the next couple of years, I'll get back in. I will have another episode. Of, hey, Loomis, how did your Pam experience go? All right. I'm going to make a note. I'll remind me in two years to ask you about Pam and how that went. So, but, you know, um, you know, and then corrective controls. Absolutely. You need corrective controls. Um, for instance, incident response. One of the things I do early on in an organization is I will get an inc- my incident response basic processes in place because that's the one type of thing that I don't have control over. So I want to get my incident response, at least group of people, like who do you call when there's an incident together so that we know how to react. So I'll put that one in pretty early myself, personally. I think you disagree with me on that, though, or do you, do you agree with me on that? Um, agree as in so far as I'm sticking with admin as being the best and the one to start with and the number one most important. No, no, that, um, that corrective would be is a good control to start earlier in the process or would you put it later in the process? I would put I actually would. Put it later. I'm not counting incident response because, you, you know, because for a lot of SMBs, small to medium sized businesses, um, which is the large majority of listeners and large majority of companies in America, um, mm-hmm. incident response is a unique skill set. It's like they're the Liam Neeson of the cyber world. And instead of trying to build it in house, if you're a smaller company, you only have 10 cyber people, which a lot of companies are lucky to have 10. You're not going to go afford that specialty. So you just pay someone else. You, you yeah, hire you companies well, to do that incident on, response for on, you. Hold on. I disagree. You have to have some capability to be able to triage and investigate, right? If, especially if you're SMB, um, you have to be able to understand, okay, does this even look suspicious? Let's get on a call and understand, is this suspicious? So you have to... You have to understand a little bit about the incident before you can even outsource it. So, well, isn't that yeah, more of you, the detective nature of the control? Because you haven't figured out if something bad happened yet. Corrective is post. Uh, what is it? So, post are you going to let your post explosion analyst like pre? Are, well, are you going to let a SOC analyst like the person? What if you don't have a SOC sees- analyst on your team? You're not that big okay. Of a so, you have one person on your team, and they just yep. see a funny. You're the CISO. And you're it. You're just gonna okay. Maybe you're just it. You're you're the only person in the security team, and you're the CISO and you see something that looks suspicious, you're just going to immediately throw it off to an expensive consultant? Versus, no, I, I, hey, think that's the de- I still think that's the detective stage. That's I detected oh, something. I How well it was, was determined if you go into a corrective mode. So oh, you this have, is bad. If you have I multiple, need to correct. I can't correct it myself. De- I need an incident it, response team to correct for me. Yeah, I disagree. We'll have to have a, a separate conversation when we have more time because, you know, you multiple detective controls give you the understanding of if you have an incident or if you have something that requires more investigation and you have to correlate and synthesize that information to understand even do we even react or is this just normal behavior? Yeah. And to me, that's part of the detection process. Not the correct. I, I disagree. I think it's part of Wait, the Wait, we find, we got it. See, we do All disagree. Right. Woohoo. Now I end it. Hurry up quickly. Start closing the episode. <laughs> Luckily, you know, it'd be funny as if we hugged right now and people realize we're in the same room, but it looks like yeah. we're in different rooms. We're like, we but we, see the oh, hand come around the back. We're going to do Maybe that. Maybe we'll have to do we'll one do some special effects with that. Yeah. A multiple, a in person session. Maybe that'll be our special 50th episode or something. Great idea. Speaking of 50th episodes. Let's close this out. This has been great, listeners. Thank yeah. you for listening to us actually finally debate towards the end, even though it took us a while to get there. <laughs> what fun is it when two people agree? 
boring. Yeah. Well, we agree pretty violently sometimes. So Remember that this is a special season. We're taking questions and answers from the audience. That's you, the listener. Um, if you'd like to submit a question, any topic that we've covered, if you'd like to ask Paul or I a question, or any of our guests that we've had on for the season, feel free to send emails to... And Paul, do you have the email address? Because I don't know off the top of my head. I don't either. We will Great. put it on Go the website. Go to fsides.com. And you'll see it on the homepage and you can send to any questions to us to fsidesquestions, all one word, no dashes, fsidesquestions at i70techtech.com. Also look forward to a future episode that we're going to have this season, which we're really excited about. Speaking of being in the same room, we're going to have, we're going to have an episode focused on what it's like to be married to a cyber professional. Wait for that one. Those sparks will fly. And if any of you are cyber professionals and are married to someone who's not, we're going to dig into that a little bit and see. There's going to be some debate there, I think. There will be a debate or, yeah, Paul and I might pick sides on that one. No, stick with me, Paul. (laughs) Mine will be how awesome I am, obviously, clearly. Um, Right. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's the elephant in the room.